Greetings. Welcome to the Optic Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Chuck Randolph, Optic's Executive Director of Strategic Intelligence. From 30 years as a military officer to transforming corporate executive protection, event security, and intelligence services teams to function beyond their traditional roles, protection, risk management, intelligence, and threat mitigation have been front and center throughout my career. This podcast series will explore the turbulent world of risk, security, and protection through conversations with leaders and innovators in the field. Now, on to the discussion. Kevin Craig is the Assistant Vice President of Safety, Security, and Investigations at Porzio Compliance Services. Kevin is an adjunct professor at Fairleigh Dickinson University. He's an author. He's a recognized subject matter expert in law enforcement, management, and school security, a retired New Jersey police chief with over 30 years experience in public safety, emergency management, school security. Kevin is a licensed private detective. He's certified as a public manager, police instructor, school safety specialist, security officer instructor, and school resource officer in the state of New Jersey. He's represented the New Jersey State Association of Chiefs of Police and the New Jersey K-12 Task Force in conjunction with the Office of Homeland Security and Preparedness and was appointed to the New Jersey School Security Task Force by the governor of New Jersey as a subject matter expert. Throughout his law enforcement career, Chief Craig has conducted training, planning, and assessments for public and private schools, businesses, and faith-based institutions. Chief Craig, welcome to the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. Great to talk to you today, Chuck. Yeah, absolutely excited to have you here and talk about this very uh, shall we say, deep, almost existential issue for folks today regarding the safety and security of our, our children, of those people that, that are in our, our schools, whether they're, they're public or private. Yeah, I'm glad to have the opportunity to talk to you about school safety. Um, it often comes in, uh, in peaks and valleys, and, and with the, the recent incidents this spring in, in Uvalde, Texas, um, school safety and security is certainly uh, uh, among the, uh, the common topics these days in security. You know, I want, that's a great point. And I appreciate you starting right with that, with the idea of peaks and valleys. You know, Kevin, you're a retired New Jersey police chief. You've been, what, 30 years in public safety, emergency management, and school security. You went on beyond that, and you're a licensed private investigator or, or detective, de- depending on your definition. You're certified as public manager, police instructor, school safety specialist, et cetera, uh, housed in, in New Jersey. Given the optic, of that length of career, why does it come in peaks and valleys, or does it? And that we only see it in peaks and valleys. You know, I think it's I think it's like everything else. Um, it's if it's not front of mind, uh, particularly in the education setting, security gets kind of pushed aside sometimes because it's uh, uh, it's not always convenient, uh, and sometimes it there's some some cost to it. Uh, and in in the school setting, you know, there's so many priorities uh in the from the educational curricular side that uh unless you have uh you have an incident of school violence that's highly publicized and uh and tragic uh unfortunately those uh those times when there's not that activity schools uh often you know kind of put the security uh 
security strategies on a back burner uh, in exchange for other other priorities, which I think is unfortunate. Well, I, I agree with you completely on there. And I think it's an organizational thing because you could scratch out the word school, the word school put organization and oftentimes security or, you know, maybe we, we could call it risk management um, is is thought of as a 3G guns, gates, guards environment. Maybe now guns, gates, 4G, guns, gates, guards, gigabytes. But yeah, break glass in case of emergency. And you have this uh, investing, like there's been an incident, we're going to invest highly in, you know, safety or security or risk management. Uh, we get five or six years away from that. We're going to divest in it again. Is there a way in your in your mind or is there a way or something you've seen, Kevin, where we can kind of get to that low ready where we're we're prepared to deal with something or we're prepared to have monitoring and get just as close of right of bang as we can to the issue without divesting so much that it takes a, a long time for us to spin up in the face of a crisis? I think the infrastructure is there for, for school security nationwide. I think there's a there's a, a an abundance of recommendations, uh, incident after incident. There's task forces and uh, and recommendations and white papers that come out. It really comes down to I think having compliance. The 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 standards are there. Uh, mm -hmm. The policies and procedures are there. It just comes down to having somebody, uh, you know, people in leadership positions making sure those those standards are applied day to day and not waiting for an event to happen to, to say, hey, are we actually really complying with uh, with the security measures we have in place? Yeah, uh, that's great. I mean, it is. It's all there. And it does boil back to maybe governance. It's sometimes I think of like, how did they get Al Capone? Well, they went through for the money. So how do we get uh, how do we get a uh, a combined or synchronized safety or security program somewhere? Follow, you know, follow the money, go to the governance, go to the policies. Kevin, when people reach out to you and, you know, maybe uh, theoretically, I'm, you know, I'm the dean of students for, you know, Ontic University or Ontic School for our technology, and we need to start a school security program. I don't know anything about it. I found your name on, you know, on a Google search. Where do you start with me? Where do people start to understand, to kind of get their head around this? Because we see it every day and we see the very destructive aftermath of it, an incident? How do we take our emotion out of it and get forward in terms of planning and preparation of a program? Uh, I, I usually recommend the first thing that schools do is, is conduct a, a, a thorough risk and vulnerability assessment because every school is different and everybody has unique needs. So you don't know really what all of your vulnerabilities are until you conduct that assessment. And uh, I think it, it also helps to have you know others, uh, whether it's a law enforcement agency that you're partnering with or, or an outside um, outside consultant coming in to 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 look at the the actual physical security measures and what the physical vulnerabilities are and be able to make some recommendations on on mitigating those. Uh, and then you know moving from there, uh, once you have those vulnerabilities uh, kind of identified, you can come up with strategies, policies, and procedures, and safety and security plans uh, in order to to prepare to mitigate those when when an event does happen. In your mind, what's the bare minimum that people should do? And I got again, I, I don't. We're not, you know, we're not legal. Uh, we're not attorneys. You know, this isn't a legal discussion. I'm thinking in terms of like I'm again. I'm I'm somebody who's starting to put a program together. I've hired Kevin to come in and do a vulnerability assessment. And now what's, what's that bare minimum that I need to start with? Like, here's your toolbox to go. 
from a physical security perspective, I mean, access control is as basic as it gets, yeah. you know, just keeping people out of the building who don't have, who don't have a, a, a real reason to be there. You know, if, if people need to come to visit or, or have a meeting, um, scheduling appointments, making sure all your doors are locked. I mean, I, I'm not the only school safety practitioner who has beat the drum on a, on a regular basis about not propping doors or, you know, making sure that doors are functional. Uh, so I access control visitor management is, is really, uh, as really uh, a key from the physical security perspective, certainly. Yeah, and a- absolutely. I think something to tag along with that as well is is um, education. And I, I'm, you know, I'm not talking about uh, in per- particular just like active shooter training, but also education of your folks. Like you have access control, access management, like you say, one badge, one entry kind of things. Don't prop doors open. I almost think about World War II level posters, you know, open doors create, you know, issues or something like that. I mean, how important is training to that, you know, maybe one of those, uh, one of those legs in, in that stool of, of safety and security? Yeah, training, training is vital. And, you know, we often focus on the worst case scenario, those active shooter situations, but there's, there's a lot of incidents that schools are, are likely to deal with on, on a, on a much more frequent basis. Um, you know, severe weather, natural disasters, other things that um, are still beyond our control, but we need to prepare for. So we have to have those, you know, plans to address all hazards and we need to train our, our faculty and our staff to be able to respond to really any type of emergency. So we can't reasonably expect that people are going to know how to respond if we don't give them the tools and the training to respond. Yeah. And I love the, I love the very old school, all hazards approach. You know, we're, we're educating, we're training for incidents and those incidents, they could be an active shooter. They could be, uh, they could be a weather incident. They, you know, could be some type of natural disaster or some type of, you know, maybe there's a major power outage in the building. I mean, so many things that you can start with, you know, again, if we're starting from the basic, like, let's just start here. What do we do in case of an emergency? Make sure we understand it. And then we can start fine tuning it from there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just just the basic ability to do to do a couple of diff- basic responses: lockdown, shelter in place, and evacuate. You know, those are going to be your responses for for just about any any emergency. They'll 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 scale up or down uh, depending on the incident. But you know, basic responses are important. It doesn't have to be uh, more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think sometimes we as practitioners uh, maybe unintentionally make things more complicated than they need to be. Um, again, I, I think that's, you know, everyone comes at, at you know, solving this problem with the best of intentions, but, you know, unintended consequences sometimes are making it slightly difficult. Kevin, a question, you know, as I said, you know, retired New Jersey police chief, you've been 30 years in public safety. How have you seen behavioral threat assessment come into play over time uh, with this this idea of school safety. I mean, I remember myself as a kid, we didn't have a, we, we didn't have an SRO at our school. We didn't, you know, we didn't do that type of training. Heck, we didn't even talk about it. We had a fire drill once a quarter and that was it. I mean, how has that evolved in this space? Yeah, so it's it's certainly evolved significantly since you or I were in school, Chuck. But I think <laughs> I think um I I think really we we've gotten better at uh at target hardening we've gotten better at at responding uh to things like active shooter situations or intruders i think where behavioral threat assessment comes in is um we really should be a- ahead of these things in the first place if we're in response mode if we have an intruder in our building or an active shooter we've missed some opportunities and i think behavioral threat assessment uh is where we need to focus on now to prevent 
acts of school violence, um, identify individuals that are on a pathway to violence, provide supports and interventions before they show up at the front door uh, or wherever they show up, you know, with the intent to uh, to commit an act of mass violence. So behavioral threat assessment teams, you know, evaluating threats uh, for credibility and identifying supports for individuals, I, I think is really where is really the next step in, in, in really making school safer. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. A lot of times, you know, like I love what you said, like everything starts with a vulnerability assessment in, in the security world. What are we, what are we doing? What are the gaps? How do we mitigate against it? What's our strategies, governance, policies, procedures, et cetera. And oftentimes I think it's like, Hey, Kevin, we, we have cameras, so we should be secure here, right? We have cameras and we have gates and there's locks and things are good. This behavioral threat assessment thing, that sounds like a lot of extra work. I don't know where to start. I don't know who to put on it. And what's the benefit to me, at, you know, as an administrator? So, so you're doing it anyway. I mean, schools, if, if you have a threat, schools are going to have to assess it anyway. So you're going to have to assign someone to the task and going to have to convene a group. So better to have a structured process in place, an identified team uh, that mm -hmm. is trained in documenting and assessing threats for their, for their credibility. So it's, it's something that schools are going to have to do anyway when they get a threat. But, you know, the, the more documentation they have, the more structured and standardized that process is. Uh, the more defensible the actions that the school takes are, are going to be. So it's, it's, it's really in the best interest of the, of the school to formalize that process that they really already have in place. And who do you recommend, if, you know, with, again, with organizations that are, are starting out and organizations that are, are looking? I mean, when you walk in and you assess uh, an organization and say, hey, we really need to get a, a BTAT together here. I mean, who, who, who would you bring to the table in the first meeting? So, so certainly your, your, your team members are, are going to include a school administrator, a faculty member, a uh, school psychologist, school counselor, most likely, um, and perhaps even an, an SRO or, or some law enforcement presence or liaison from, mm -hmm. from your municipality. Really, you know, the idea is to get all those pieces, you know, together, all, you know, every possible angle you can get on a, on a student that potentially poses a threat, I think, uh, I think is, is important and, and bringing together a multidisciplinary team uh, makes makes the process more comprehensive and, and more robust. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's I think it's important to have all those elements involved. And I, I also like the fact that we need the SRO or we need somebody from outside of the school involved as well, uh, because, you know, likely if there's a response or, you know, there because you're bringing people together, you're bringing their networks, you're bringing critical thinking you're bringing uh, critical thinking to problem solving. So, you know, I, I think it's vitally important that you have very, very diverse teams in, uh, in BTAT. Um, Kevin, what do you think, you know, I mean, we've been kind of sitting here talking and do we agree that all the elements are there to, I don't want to say solve this problem, but all the elements are in place to help mitigate and deal with this issue. Do we agree? I, I think they are. I think I think it it really needs to become an issue of priority uh, among among schools. They really need to focus on. We have these things available, so we need to, we need to implement them. And and I think you know the the barrier to that is that it's it can't happen here mentality. So once we overcome that and we and we get a a general baseline for for securing our schools. That's embraced by uh, by educators uh, holistically. I think I think that's where we need to be.
We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. In the world of safety, security, and protection, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. That's why we created the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. The center is a trusted resource for those in security, safety, and protection communities. We share strategies and best practices, insights on current and historical trends, and lessons learned through dialogue, discourse, and alternative analysis from some of the industry's top practitioners. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontic.co slash center. That's ontic.co forward slash center. So what's the other blind spots that we're missing to put the pieces together? I mean, you, you've talked governance, governance. Uh, we've talked policy. Uh, we've, I love the idea of not, not here mentality. Um, and, you know, putting together, together behavioral threat assessment teams and, and, uh, training. I mean, what's, what are other blind spots that people should be thinking about from your, you know, your expanded career and in, in your expertise in this area? Well, I think collaboration is, is a key. You know, uh, schools. Yeah, have but that, Kevin, we don't want to talk about our issues. <laughs> right. Well, we don't have well, any issues. It's your, it's your folks, not me. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and 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 that and that's a, that's always a barrier. Uh, in in certainly in the public sector is, you know, whose responsibility is it? Is it the school's responsibility? Is it the police department's responsibility? Is it someone else's responsibility? And I think it it comes down to it's everyone's responsibility. So we need to collaborate. The schools need to know what law enforcement officers need uh, to help uh, secure schools. Law enforcement officers need to know what school responses are going to look like and how they can assist with that. Um, training our staff, uh, you know, collaborating with our community partners as well. You know, in, in addition to law enforcement, fire, EMS, emergency management. Uh, you know, getting everybody a seat at the table so we can really plan and prepare appropriately. No, I think that's great. I mean, if I think about, you know, if we agree that we're kind of in an endemic post-pandemic and now we're in an endemic situation with COVID nineteen, think about. Just through, and I'm not talk. I don't think we're talking about mine or, or Kevin's personal political views, but just think about the number of issues that popped up that we saw affecting things like PTA and school administrators, wherein COVID policies were happening. And I can see where, like this concept of not here, not now, behavioral threat assessment, risk management, risk mitigation. That also it protects the students, but we also have faculty. We also know, you know, we're entering into an you know, mid mid year election season. There's so many things now that I think, as my uh, my colleague Fred Burton said, you know, it's certainly not technically a more you, you know, it's not been a more dangerous time, but the ability to see danger is is certainly beyond anything we've experienced before. So I love this idea of like, don't you know, let's not hide. Let's talk. Let's talk about this and put it on the table and, and start having that conversation. Yeah, and, and sometimes when we do that, and it's it's not always easy to do, but we need to to check our political ideologies at the door. You know, there's I've seen debates about well, we need less cops and more mental health professionals. I've heard I, I've heard the 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 other argument, uh, and I don't I don't really think that you can uh, you can really exchange one for the other. I think we need more of both. Uh, to yep. be completely honest, and and I think that's where that discussion comes in is about uh, how much of everything do we need, uh, and how can we make this a, a holistic strategy that includes all the things we need. There's no one size fits all, and there's no one single measure that's going to make schools safer. It's got to be a holistic approach. 
No, I, I completely agree with that. And, and monitoring has to be part of it as well. And, you know, you brought this up earlier. I mean, we, we have to monitor for threats because I, I feel we have so many inputs that, you know, years ago, you know, when I was in the military, maybe you were a young uh, police officer, we would get reports handed to us, physical pieces of paper. We'd look at it. That was our Intel report. And then we went out, we did our job. But now, in, you know, Intel open source, uh, protective intel. There are so many data points that are just coming to everyone that I've, I think having a good monitoring function at a school or at least a good place to say, skim something and say, hey, is this an issue? We need to get it to the, the BTAT or we need to get over to an expert like a Kevin Craig and say, what's the issue here? What do we need to do about this? I mean, how do you find monitoring, you know, or that, you know, a passive monitoring of threats? And are you seeing that as a force multiplier or in your experience, do you see people kind of shying away from it? Um, I don't. I don't think there's. I. I. I think. It, I think there's val- certainly value in it. I think that. I think it's. We. We just need. To, we need to get. We need to get there. We need to get to the point where, um, where people are comfortable with with uh, social media monitoring uh, to some level. Listen, we're not. We're not going into people's Facebook pay profiles and uh, and doing anything uh, secretive. Mm-hmm. We're 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 kind of aggregating open source information that's publicly available. And as we see in in many after action reports. There's a lot of leakage on social media, and, and yeah. you know, and, and so so if if that's if that's an an avenue uh, where we can obtain information about a potential threat, then then I think we're uh, we're being neglectful if we're not utilizing that. So social yeah, media okay. monitoring and and giving people the the ability to anonymously report things that they see on social media is also valuable. Yeah, I th- I think that second piece is is important too. That you know, see something, say something. And to be able to do that in a, in a obfuscated manner. I mean, we have a saying around here, you have to collect the dots before you can connect them. And I often think people are running to connect something and we haven't even collected data. And, you know, as a former police officer, as a former soldier, we certainly know that. And as you say, in a lot of the after actions, we're seeing like the signs were there. The elements were there. We, I don't want to say failed. I'm, I'm, can't think of a better word, but we're, we're missing it. We're not seeing it because we're not even skimming for it. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, some of that, some of that I think has to do with that kind of concept as if, if I don't know about it, then I don't have to address it. Right. So, um, but that's not going to make us, our schools any safer. It's not going to make our communities any safer. So getting all the available information to connect those dots, I think is again, important. I think the ostrich style of risk management is is doomed to fail, especially in today's day and age. And especially, as you say, we're certainly uh, I'm not even sure if we're at the peak of this, you know, thinking about peaks and valleys. And I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure that I see the issue slowing down, unfortunately, anytime soon. What about yourself? Uh, no, they're. I mean, they're not going to go away. Incidents of mass violence, active shooter situations, whether they're in schools and other settings, are uh, are not you know not showing any sign of, of slowing down. So that head in the sand mentality certainly is not going to going to you know lend itself to to any success. So we need to we need to think of different strategies. As we said, all all, all the 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 response uh, you know protocols are there. We have behavioral threat assessment if we if we're inclined to to use it or ha- you know or which we should be using it. Um, but if we're not willing to open our eyes and say, hey, these are the threats and vulnerabilities in our community, maybe right within our school, um, we're not going to be able to mitigate them unless unless we're willing to identify them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and well said, my friend. Uh, Chief Craig, I, I'd like to shift over just for a couple of minutes, if you'll allow me. I mean, 30 years in public safety, and then you make a shift over to 
the private sector. What was that like that the day that you said you're going to do that and you you went out and put your shingle up, if you will, and started working? Did you ever look in the mirror and go, what am I doing? Yeah, so it, it was a bit it was a bit of a transition. It wasn't it wasn't as much of a you know, ripping <laughs> ripping off a band-aid than than uh than it could have been. But um I spent twenty-five years in uh in law enforcement. The last seven of those years I was the chief of police. Um worked for a very community oriented police department in in New Jersey, um, worked very closely with our schools. I had some opportunities uh to be on some task forces with the State Chiefs Association and uh for the appointed by the governor to serve on a school security task force. So uh I, I was able to to kind of get some experience with school safety on on a on a level with where I was able to interact with um others outside of law enforcement, which kind of opened my eyes to a lot of the challenges that schools and educators have. Um so when I retired from law enforcement uh, this was, uh, a, you know, an, an interest, if not a passion of mine. Uh, so I took a position as a director of security for a public school district and I got to see it from, uh, the education side directly. So, and, uh, was able to bring my law enforcement experience, uh, with me. So I was, you know, able to kind of see it through both lenses. Uh, and that gave me really the ability to, I started getting a lot of questions, a lot of inquiries from, from educators about, Hey, from your police perspective, what does this look like from an educator perspective? What does that look like? So, um, the the opportunities presented themselves for for me to to get into the consulting world with uh, with Porzio Compliance Services, which is the firm that I'm I'm with now, uh, and I'm able to to really do what I love to do and help schools develop emergency operations plans, conduct risk assessments, conduct staff training, uh, and do all those things that we talked about, um, uh, and and make it my my second, if not third <laughs> third career out of out of law enforcement. So, um, how did you find? I mean, did you find that you had like was there some cultural thing? Like I need to, you know, often I, you meet folks that maybe, and I'm, you know, have a military background myself where I walk in and I can't use my military, militaryisms, if you will. And I, you know, I'm trying to make the environment I'm walking into fit the one that I just had. I mean, how did you, did you see those signs in yourself and, and how did you maybe shift your thinking to say, Hey, look, I, I'm not the chief anymore and I'm retired, but you know, I'm not on patrol. I, I have to, talk and think and, and deal with folks at their level in their culture. Yeah, it's 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 different. Education education is 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 much different than than law enforcement and and different completely <laughs> completely different lenses. So it you definitely have to temper that that communication. But I think people are willing to um you know to to accept uh, certain security measures that that have a kind of a law enforcement feel to them. If you explain to them the reasons why they're you know they they need to do it, so um, I think I think we're seeing more and more schools. I know I know we're seeing more in, in the state of New Jersey where schools are hiring people um, with a retire you know with a background in law enforcement to to be their school security directors or coordinators. Uh, every school district in New Jersey has to have a school safety specialist. Sometimes it's a school administrator, um, but sometimes it's some someone with a law enforcement background. So I think I think it's helpful, and I think. After spending a little bit of time uh, and working with people, they see that you're that you're there for the right reasons, and they they see the value in that experience that you bring, and they can kind of see a little bit through your lens um, to to make you know to realize that that everybody has a role in security. And was it the was it those maybe in your mind intellectually was it all those coming together that that um, kind of motivated motivated you to write the book? Uh, I think best practices for school safety. Yeah, and I I think I think the 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 book was kind of really uh you know just an opportunity to to get my thoughts out there on again so you know the, there doesn't have to be uh, uh 
a complication to it. It's as, it's as basic as, you know, really, really planning, uh, and collaborating. Mm-hmm. So that, that was really, you know, but my, my thoughts really came from, uh, you know, seeing, seeing school shooting after school shooting, uh, and kind of empathizing with the families, uh, of, of, of those involved in those, in those shootings, both the victims and survivors, uh, and as well as my fellow school safety practitioners, just, just kind of putting my thoughts out on, uh, in that, in that book to, to kind of say, hey, listen, it's, it doesn't have to be this complicated. You know, the, these are these are some some basic things you can do to make your school safer. Um, just a quick one back on career transitions and things. It, it occurs to me somebody out there was like, please ask him this probably right now. What advice do you have for folks making a transition from, say, law enforcement into the private sector, or, you know, or, or the maybe like the school sector or something? Well, I think if you're looking at a particular sector, I think it's always valuable to kind of try and get some of that uh, that's sector specific experience before you pull the plug. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's there's a lot of police officers out there, um, and I may or may not have been one of them who thought, "Hey, I'm a chief of police. I won't I'll, I won't have a hard time landing on my feet." Um, but it really depends on what you're transitioning to. So there's there's different, you know. Law enforcement has has a lot of uh, comes with a lot of skills and training that 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 lend themselves into security, um, but it's not it's not always uh, seamless transitions. Corporate security has a lot of different skill sets that you need that you don't necessarily get from law enforcement. Uh, same thing with school security. You have to really invest yourself, educate yourself uh, in the the nuances of the of the industry that you want you want kind of want to break into. Get some of those you know board certifications you know. CPP become a school, you know, school resource officer certification. Um, really, do your do your due diligence to 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 make your resume um, more than just hey, I spent 25, 30 years in in law enforcement. Because while while that, while that that is honorable and it's uh, and there's value to it, um, there's there's a lot of them out there, and you need to be able to figure out a way to separate yourself and have industry specific experience. Do uh, what's next for you? I mean, is there a new edition of best practices for school safety? You know, you're with Porzio now. I mean, what's on the horizon for Kevin Craig? Um, so right now, um, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm connecting with a lot of school safety folks and uh, educators. Uh, I'm thrilled to be with Porzio and and uh, I keep him busy uh, conducting uh, all kinds of you know school-related safety and security measures. Uh, we also get involved in investigations, uh, corporate investigations, workplace violence investigations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're pretty, uh, a pretty one size, uh, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, utility firm. We do, we do a lot, uh, a lot of support. Uh, we're also a subsidiary of a law firm, Porzio, Bromberg and Newman. So, uh, we, we assist them, uh, in a lot of different endeavors as well. So, uh, you know, for right now, you know, Porzio, Porzio's continues to be my focus and, and, and just staying out there, trying to keep building that brand and, uh, and being an advocate for, for safer schools. Well, Kevin, I, I, I've been honored to, to have you on the podcast and it strikes me and I would love to have more time with you to kind of walk into what, you know, what motivates you and, and how you got into all this, but clearly you're a, you're a lifelong public servant of which I would like to say on behalf of the listeners and Antic, thank you for your service to the community and, for what you continue to give um, in the school safety program and, and, and as a consultant. And also thank you for being part of the Ontic Protective Intelligence podcast. And thank you. It's great to be here, Chuck. And, and thank you for your service as well. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co forward slash center. Again, 
ontic.co forward slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music track is called Monteverde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smoke and Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.co or visit ontic.co forward slash center for more information. Thank you for listening.